Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. This is a show where we interview a variety of holistic professionals, lightworkers, and practitioners who are really making a bigger difference in the world. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz, and it was my intention in creating this show to be able to introduce you to the amazing people that I'm meeting on my own journey. I want you to hear their stories because their stories are an awful lot like our stories, and together we can explore the vast realm of holistic healing and learn how we can co-create holistic sustainability. We need it for ourselves. We need it for our planet. There's a lot of possibilities out there, and we don't often hear about them. This way we can learn and grow together, and I don't want you to hesitate to reach out and connect with anybody you hear who might resonate with you. Special thanks to Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance for his work in producing and publishing these podcasts and on our Journey of Possibilities website. He's really using technology to make a bigger difference and help us build a community. So thank you, Mario. I appreciate it. Be sure and subscribe to these podcasts by searching for Exploring Possibilities and then subscribing on iTunes, where you can also rate us and help us get more listeners and attract more people into this path. Or if you have an Android platform, be sure and download the Stitcher app and you can subscribe there and you'll never miss an episode. Would you like to be a sponsor of Exploring Possibilities? Your message could be attached to this podcast and heard everywhere it's downloaded and played or played in the car, played at work. You could be all over the place. Just think about the possibilities. Today's guest on Exploring Possibilities is Joy Holland. Joy is an empathic intuitive who shares her natural skills as an empowerment coach and clarity and energy facilitator. I see from her website that she's a single mom of two teens, so hats off, and she revels in family connection. I know from our chatting before this interview that she specializes in being in the moment, which is exactly where we want to be. So welcome, Joy. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm delighted to have you. I forgot to mention your website. That is, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Um, it's www.facetsofjoy.com. It's a great website. You're up to all kinds of stuff. But I'd love to start out, I like to start my interviews getting to know you as a person and kind of what compels you to do what you do. So of all the people out there that our listeners could connect with, tell me a little about your story and why they might want to connect with you. Oh, absolutely. Um, my story is quite long, so I'll give you the gist. But <laughs> basically, um, <laughs> I was born into a family where um, they didn't practice presence, and they're uh, pretty pessimistic people. And I have—I think I was born quite optimistic and celebrating the moment, like from the moment I was here on Earth. So. My whole entire life was full of being disciplined really harshly for being just that light-spirited, joyful, natural energy that I have. And um, my mom left when I was an infant, and it was back when dads didn't really have custody of their children. My dad had custody of me, and he was bipolar and didn't take meds. So my childhood was full of lots of chaos and abuse and even in all of that, though, if I say that, I hope you don't feel heaviness in it because I've always just known there was a blessing even before I had the words to describe that. And if I could just hang on, like there would be this amazing blessing. So fast forward many years, I carried that patterning with me through adulthood. And then I chose to become a mom. And I knew that I wanted my children to have a far different experience from life than I did. And I wanted them to feel just the depth 
and joy of living peace and possibility, like peace in your whole entire body and in your personal space and possibility like anything and everything that's wonderful and delightful and joyful can happen and you can create it and celebrate it. And so I began learning what I call, I think people know mindfulness, but I call it presence to possibility and energy movement. And I learned it originally with the intention of, like I said, gifting my children that space and that experience. And and eventually I ended up leaving their dad. And so the three of us have lived together for quite some time. My children are teenagers, so I've been practicing presence and energy movement for almost 17 years, very intensely. And then maybe about 10 years ago, I turned all that I learned for them inward and applied it to myself. And it changed my entire life. And eventually, naturally, very organically, it became my career because one, I had lived the patternings of abuse and chaos, and so I understood firsthand the dynamics. And then two, I had done intensive study and then had life experience about shifting those patterns and living infinite possibility. So um, it's been a really incredibly amazing journey, and it just keeps unfolding, and I love it. That's quite a story, and there's a couple of things <laughs> in there that I'd really love to visit with you about. I think I want to go back to the first thing you said that really kind of set off a flare in me, and that was about growing up with a bipolar person who did not take their meds. And for any of us who yeah. have ever loved a bipolar person who did not take their meds, especially if we weren't in a space of light, and I, like you, am very optimistic, so I see the good in everything. Mm-hmm. Even that said, it can be so challenging to love someone who is struggling with that bipolar reality simply because we don't know who we're going to get from moment to moment, and neither do they. So what helped you right. during that time? Um, you know, you brought up um, quite a few points. The one is I just always assume that people know what bipolar is and what the dynamic is, but it's just really extreme highs and really extreme lows. And with my dad, there was um, suicidal tendencies as well. So it was quite normal for me when he would get frustrated to hear that he was trying to kill himself. And that was my reality. And so that was normal then. It's absolutely not normal now. How was I the light in it? It's very interesting, but um, when my mom left, and I was a baby, I was one when my mom left, my first memory is of me looking out the window to the moon, and I saw the moon, and I, you know, I didn't have words then. I think I was like about three or four, three. I didn't have like words to explain the concept, but I knew there was something bigger than all that I was in. And I knew there was natural light in the world, and it was like I could look to the sky at any time and see that natural light, and it was inside each one of us. Like, I knew that from a very early age, and I even knew it was inside my dad, and I had what we call compassion at such a young, early age. I didn't know that's what it was, but it's like inside of me. So I could understand he never meant to cause any pain. And that's kind of what pulled me through. Like there weren't, also in my family, it was kind of a secret. Um, You know, so you don't go out in public and say, this is what's going on at home. Right. But um, 
so I also had the relief of when I got older, like being at elementary school, middle school, and high school, of having people that weren't directly involved. And so I could feel like joy and peace and light for three quarters of my day. And that helped me deal with what was at home easier. Yeah, that makes sense. I know it can be a lonely place for people. And so I like to ask people who have been in that place of loving someone who is struggling through that. And I guess another question I'm guided to ask you is, some of us subscribe to the belief that we planned this experience before we incarnated into these bodies. And so if you believe that, then why might you have incarnated into being a child of someone who struggles with that kind of darkness and that unexpectedness of who they're going to be from moment to moment and all that uncertainty and imbalance? How has that benefited you in your life? That is an amazing question. Um, But first, I just want to go back because you mentioned like someone feeling lonely and perhaps struggling with that the dynamic in our life right now. The one thing that has helped me, um, even through adulthood, is to understand for whatever reason, that's the person's past, right? And so I have my own past, and me feeling joy and peace and love and delight and infinite possibility can actually reflect that to them if they're open to seeing it. But it doesn't Uh, You know, if I chose to suffer, it doesn't heal him. And if I choose to be happy, it doesn't affect him in a direct way. So why not choose to create on your own path and enjoy it as much as possible, right? That's just what kind of the way that I handle it. If you believe in holding space, like hold space for unfolding for their path and allow your path to unfold on its own. So I, I really like to share that because Give yourself permission to live a full life because it's the life, you know, you're here and you have it. So there's that. And then the question, you know, I struggled with that for a long time because I do believe that we choose to be born into the families that we were and that we consciously choose the rest of the way the path unfolds. So looking back at it now, I can say it led to all of who I've become. I'm constantly doing inner work to heal, uh, let's say, that base wound from your parents Mm -hmm. that we each hold. Right. I did struggle with it because I wondered why would I choose in that dynamic. We had like extreme poverty and then we had extreme wealth and there was moments of pain and confusion and there was moments of happiness. So why would I choose that? I personally believe that my purpose on earth is to be love. And for me, that is all about my heart opening and understanding all of the dynamics of energy and being able to hold space for them unfolding. So I can look back on it now and say, wow, that was one big, huge heart opening. And I wouldn't have been inspired to learn the depth of presence and energy movement that I did if I didn't go through it. And it makes me extremely effective as a heart healer. And also when I speak to women who have been in abuse, who are either in it or had been in it, because I've lived it and then I've recreated my life from it. Um, So, you know, sometimes people have studied something, but they haven't experienced it and they don't have as much credibility when you're the one in it. That's kind of a cyclical answer, but only looking back from this perspective, 
can I find peace with the choice that I made? When I was growing up, I couldn't imagine why I would have chosen that. Yeah, I can see that. I love what you said back there about if you chose to suffer, it wasn't going to help him in any way. So why suffer with him? I think we kind of almost get sucked into that sometime. If we're not conscious about what we're doing, we think that we need to suffer with them. And you're right. It doesn't help anybody. So that was really empowering. Thank you for saying that. And I, I love your story and how you share that. It's, it's beautiful. How has it helped you being now a single parent of a couple of teens? How has it shaped the way that you parent? Um, and directly, originally, it directly shaped the way that I parent because I looked at how I was treated and I knew anytime I went to make a move, I would prefer to make the opposite move, right? Because I had been so used to the chaos that all of a sudden I needed to have a foundation for our house. Um, not spotlessly clean, but everything organized and has a place. And I created, I'm sure it's out there in many different spiritual paths and practices, but it's really important to me that our house feels like a sacred container. And that is the basis of all of the work that I do is you can make anything a sacred container. So I did the work to make our house feel like a sacred container. And it took a couple of years and you can, you can bring that into any area of your life. Like this moment is a sacred container the conversation you and I are having and with the listeners is a sacred container. Um, and that concept changed my whole entire life and the life of my children. But again, I wouldn't have learned the depth of presence that I did if I didn't feel the need. Uh, my wounds and my pattern were deep and they were painful. And I noticed that I kept recreating the same pattern. Um, I mean, my story is riddled with lots and lots of trauma because I kept recreating that pattern until I made the, I mean, I kept living that pattern until I made the choice to intentionally and consciously recreate it. And even today, I, practicing presence is my entire life. It's just woven in through each day. And if I catch myself falling back into a pattern, you said with parenting, like, um, I was yelled at constantly and I wasn't given a chance to use my voice or have a say. And so with my own children, I know how to hold space. I might not understand some of their choices. I might not agree with their choices. And I'm not talking big things. I'm talking, you know, if my daughter wants to paint her fingernails bright orange, I don't always understand that. But I can hold space for their creative expression. (laughs) And I can hold space for the different paths. Our challenge now is I taught them to live infinite possibility, and so they really are. And it doesn't seem to be that they're going to stay local very long. So I'm like, really? <laughs> I I taught them the world is your backyard, and they're going to go travel it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. What I meant was infinite possibility is really close to home. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say one thing. I don't think that you probably you read this on my website because... I don't know where it, where it is on there, but part of the adventure I've had with my children was that we spent five years together living on a sailboat, and that's really where I learned the depth of presence and the understanding of natural cycles and seasons. All three of us learned that, and we learned how to communicate really effectively, probably more effectively than 
most people do because when you're in such a small living space, you have a choice to either like stew if you're upset about <laughs> something or to air it out. And because I understand like how to hold space, they they grew up speaking about things that people might say are vulnerable and sensitive and they always felt heard and appreciated. And then when I turned all of that inward to myself, I gift my inner child with that same Whatever I do with my external children, I now turn in and give to my inner child as well. I wish we all did that as parents. You know, it's amazing. We are so instinctively drawn to give our kids everything that we can, often more than we give ourselves. Why don't we do that? Why don't we turn it inward more? That is an awesome question. I I think this, because, you know, um, in, in general, I, I wouldn't want to offend anybody with my words, but in general, mainstream rewards like martyrdom, right? And so I think this is why in general, women get so burnt out and so tired and also don't give themselves daily time to create, you know, create like whatever it is. It doesn't have to be artistically, but just whatever lights their heart because they're so busy giving so much of themselves to other people and your inner child gets lost in there and then life feels really heavy even if your external circumstances look like they could be light-filled. That's so true. That's so true. I think we can all hear a piece of ourselves in that. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, tell me a little bit about how you then decided to serve the world in the form of your business. What kinds of things were happening in your life that you felt compelled to share with others and why? Well, it began on the boat because um, being a single mom with two children on the boat was a phenomenal experience. And at the time, uh, it was about seven years. No, it was about like five years ago. At the time, I was the only single mom on our coast, raising kids as live aboard. There was a couple, uh, again, on our coast, though. There was a couple of families that did it, but no single mom. So um, that was a pretty big deal. And things would happen that felt to me like extraordinary. Little things would happen on the boat, and I would think, oh, this teaches us about daily life. Um, For example, before we moved on the boat, I had been an avid sailor. And when we moved on the boat, and the first time there was, like, torrential downpour, I thought, well, I don't have experience with this because you don't usually choose to go sailing on heavy weather days, right? And here we are living in it, so how can I make it fun for my children? So this picture, like, you're walking down the dock, you get soaking wet, you're on the boat, there's not really a way to dry off, and how do I make it fun? And I thought, well, maybe other people would like to hear about it. So I started a blog about our adventures on the boat. And that people were fascinated. And what they really loved was were my stories about how can you learn to celebrate even what somebody might call negative, right? Because after a few years on the boat, I was having rain parties. If it's going to rain, we might as well enjoy it (laughs) because we can't stop the rain. (laughs) I love that. Um, But it did take a few years to, you know, like the first time it rained and there was leaks, I cried. I did. Yeah. (laughs) But. You see, so presence is like, is that. It's one step of intentional creation after another, but it's also what is in my space and how can I celebrate what is in my space exactly as it is. 
knowing you can shift it if you want to, but how can I celebrate it? So the adventure of blogging and being online started with the boat. And I didn't have internet on the boat, so I would go to the library and have one hour on their computer and whip up a story. So I got really good at being very focused with my writing. And then everybody was fascinated with those kind of things, and it evolved into the site that I have now where I share practices of presence and energy movement to weave into your daily life because there's so much instruction about how to do it, like if you're at retreat or you're at yoga class or you're in your sacred spiritual place, and that's wonderful. But most of our lives are lived, you know, in your home, in your community, with some circumstances you might feel you don't have control over. So how can you practice in your daily life? And as I explore and experiment, I share it with other people. That's such a cool story. One of the things that I was seeing as you were sharing that was how easy it is when you have kids and it's a rainy day and they're kind of down in the doldrums because it's raining and your energy shifts and you find something fun about it. Suddenly they find something fun about it and it's a domino effect and it works with adults too, but it's so instantaneous Mm -hmm. with kids and that's what you were describing. And we can do that every day in so many situations, but we forget that we have the power to change the energy behind everything. Right. And I had, because I had started blogging and we live in Southern California, so it's an easy access place. Lots of people travel through here. Um, Whenever any of the bloggers were interested in what I was saying, I mentioned if you're passing through, come and stay on the boat with us, which was hysterical because they did. (laughs) And I can't control the weather. That was the only part that was tough. (laughs) So if they came expecting they were going to have beautiful sunshine and very warm weather, and it was windy or cloudy or something less than optimal, um, I watched, and most of them are in the spiritual field, where they really had to wrestle with their practice because they saw us enjoying it and they wondered how are they enjoying this because <laughs> it's not optimal. <laughs> and and the thing about it is, I would love to share, is to allow it to be genuine. Like you can't fake it. If, if you're really miserable because something external is really affecting you, it's like shifting energy isn't about like faking gratitude. You really need to find one thing that you're genuinely grateful for. And for me, when it was really tough, I brought it down to the basic, like I'm grateful for my breath or I'm grateful for the gift of this moment, right? And at the time I was working at the local hospital and I would see people like praying, begging for one more moment of life. And that really affected me with my practice of presence. And I think really opened my heart to the idea of just celebrating every moment because we have this moment. And so if you, you know, it's thunderstorming on your party, you're having a party. So how can you make it a good one? Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to sulk, make it a really great sulk and then get over it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's such a good point. I believe that we came here for all kinds of experiences and we get so hung up on the labels of are they good ones or are they bad ones? We came here for Mm -hmm. all of them. We came here to feel and to truly experience at a deep level and everything that we experience in this moment, whatever that is, is giving us some expanded understanding of ourselves and So I agree with you fully about present moment. So what do you say to somebody that says to you, present moment, great. You know, right now there's wars going on. Right now there's famine and hunger. It's easy for you to say present moment. How do you talk to people about the present moment in a way that can actually be positive and empowering for them without being too woo-woo and way out there and not dealing with reality, as they say? Well, you took away my woo. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? (laughs) No, okay. So I absolutely agree, and I understand that. And also, it goes back to what we touched briefly on before. You choosing to suffer doesn't heal, doesn't change the fact that war exists. However, in this specific case, you choosing to create something or to center or to just keep feeling peace and light and joy in your life actually raises, I know it's woo, (laughs) but it raises your (laughs) vibration And it really, and it inspires the people around you to keep hoping and to keep creating. And so you're affecting your part of the world. And eventually, if everybody chose that, we could affect the whole world. Are we going to stop a war because I'm thinking a good thought? Probably not. But it's not going to, if I choose to think a bad thought, it's not going to affect it either. So why not choose? to feel peace and joy and everything you possibly can in your own life, right? And I, I mentioned I work with abused women, so let's bring it home a little bit. So how can I tell a woman who's feeling physical and emotional pain in her home, you know what, you have the gift of this moment, can you celebrate it? Because it's kind of a stretch, right. I'm sure. And that's when you, you really bring it down to the basic. You bring it down to what systems, what natural systems in your body like work and feel good. And it might be hard because she might be in physical pain. There might be lots of her body that doesn't feel good. Concentrate on that one little bit of your body that's working and feels good and bring gratitude in it and your heart feels a little bit better, right? And don't judge yourself If 97% of your life feels really heavy and hard, try your best to celebrate that 3%. And by celebrate, to say thank you for that 3% that feels awesome. And that grows it to 4% without you doing anything, right? I agree. Focus it, what we focus on expands. It's that rule, right? So if we, we have to find that be- beautiful small piece of light, however small it might be, and focus on that for it to expand. Otherwise, if we keep focusing on the negative, that's what's going to grow. Absolutely. And I understand it's hard not to focus on the negative when you're physically or emotionally, personally feeling it. Yeah. And that's where we really have a stretch of a choice. And, and, So how you feel in the moment affects how your experience of the next moment. And that can inspire you to just reach for just a little bit more joy or peace or understanding. 
Yes, absolutely. Because what happens is if we keep focusing on what we've always focused on, it's that cliche, we're going to keep having what we've always had. If, if we can find a way to see something we haven't seen before, we can start to change to something new. So tell me about how you work with, you've mentioned abused women, and I also imagine being a single mom, especially on the boat and those interesting stories, and then forward to now, I'm sure you attract single moms as well. How do you help these women that come to you? Um, okay, so I actually don't attract single moms in general. It's such an interesting dynamic, but I, I really believe, and again, this is a general statement, single moms are just really busy being single moms. Mm-hmm. Right. So my life is quite extraordinary because I wanted to feel peace and possibility and I wanted quality time with my children. So all the work I do is around their school schedule. But, you know, when I'm offering telecasts during the day, it's usually not the single moms who are showing up. So I thought that's pretty cool. That is interesting. <laughs> so I do. Um, that's why I do like ebooks and e-courses that you can access at any time and, and replays for the calls because I understand that dynamic. Yeah. When I first started out, I would write direct, very specific articles about abuse and about how to move through abuse. And the challenge is, um, if you're the one in it, it's really hard to receive those, right? Um, yeah. And they're usually trying to read on the fly. So I had to learn to kind of weave it through my work and not be so specific, if that makes sense. Right? So... I wouldn't title an article, you really need to leave your husband right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, um, that's a, a harsh reality and it's a, a harsh thing to consider. Yeah. But I would title it um, Ways to Move Through Chaos, something like that. Um, yeah. And the thing is, you know, so abuse is kind of a heavy term. Let's look at chaos. Um, a lot of people have chaos in their life whether that's a little bit of clutter in your spare rooms in your house or that's emotional thoughts that really weigh you down or that's um, the way your body feels or extra weight. Usually there's chaos and that's kind of a connector energy and it's kind of what people talk about when they're out and around the world. In general, like what is wrong, what is heavy is kind of what people talk about. So my work fits everyone, unfortunately or fortunately. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how would you help me if I, what would, what would draw me in? What would I benefit from working with you? How does that go? Um, you will feel, I, you know, I was going to say you will feel peace, which is you will feel that if I'm in the room with you just because that's what I cultivate in my personal life and who I am. And even reading an article, you pick up that energy through my words. I just know because readers write to me all the time and I can speak about something potentially heavy like abuse and you can read it and feel light when you're done. But my direct services, um, I teach through many different e-courses, but the topics I look at right now are your body as a sacred container um, because Part of the challenge of asking you to center and to be fully empowered and embodied is if you have looked at your physical body as a barrier or as something you have to carry around or as something that never works, you obviously don't want to bring your energy into it. That's why so many practices about bringing your energy out of your body 
are so popular right now, right? So my work is about appreciating your physical self, creating a container that you feel really comfortable and safe in, whether that's a corner of your house or your whole entire house, and then focusing on, I call it what lights your heart, but um, moving through your day in ways that really delight your physical senses because you have those physical senses, right? All my work has to do with as little as possible external resources because if somebody doesn't have the money, then they might feel that they can't do the practice. So I, all of my practices have to do with your own physical self, your intention. I think the most expensive thing somebody has to buy is a journal, but you can scribble on pieces of paper. And um, I do offer personal coaching sessions. I do email clarity and also Skype sessions. Good. So there's several different ways to work with you. I wanted to backtrack just a minute because you talked quite a bit throughout this interview about holding space. And I've heard that expression used by different people, and it seems to almost be used differently depending on who I'm talking to. So when you talk about holding space, what do you mean by that, and how do we do that? Oh, right. So I agree with you. There are so many different ways to hold space. And um, the way that I hold space and guide others is to choose an energy that you really want to center into that resonates with your own beliefs and your own values. So the energy I center into is love and gratitude. And so that means just focus on being the energy of love and gratitude. And if you're holding space for another, just be really present and listen attentively and allow them to speak to you without taking on their pain or without taking on their happiness, just allowing the conversation to unfold and allowing their feelings to unfold and be theirs and your feelings to unfold and be yours. That would be the gist of the practice. Holding space for yourself is something not too many people talk about, but again, I believe if I'm going to gift somebody with a practice of presence, then I'm also going to turn it inward and gift myself with it. So it's also being non-judgmental. It doesn't mean you have to understand or accept what's being presented. But especially when you're holding space for yourself, people tend to judge their thoughts and their feelings. Um, so just allowing them the fullness, ample time and space to just really be present and to listen into what message they have for you. And if you want to act on the message, that's a whole different thing. But that's kind of the gist of holding space. I like it. That was a good explanation. Let's kind of go into your parenting a little bit for anyone who's a parent listening to this. And parenting is such an interesting adventure in of itself. <laughs> how have <Absolutely. laughs> how have you been able to share any of this in ways that have benefited your children? Do are, do they honor these practices that you believe in deeply? Also, they do. And also, I want to make it really clear they have a choice not to honor them um, because. I, I I was raised Catholic, and I didn't have a choice uh, to even explore other religious practices, to even read about other religious practices. And so me showing up and going through those motions didn't necessarily make me devout, right? It just meant I was showing up and doing what I was told. Good point. So I, I gave my children a choice. These are my practices, and this is how it works for me. 
and you can customize any of it and and use it in your life or you can try your own thing. Um, they've used the practices. It's really cute because we lived on the boat and then we lived in that beach community for most of their life. And then they went to high school in the city, which was a big deal for them. And they both came home and they said, Mom, the practices you taught us don't work at high school. And I was like, oh, <laughs> children, <laughs> welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you know, that was like what they meant was they hold space and they're very present and they learned communication and most of their peer group weren't acting in the same way at yes. the time. And so that's really, really key. How can you honor your practices while moving through your daily life, right? So they yeah. don't necessarily have to show their woo when they're at school. <laughs> they just practice it. <laughs> <laughs> I raised them to know infinite possibility. Like, and, and in our house, we manifest and they create. So remember, though, I had patterning that was different from theirs. So now it, when I'm working through my business or I'm attempting to stretch into something that's really vulnerable that could be really exciting, but still my mind doesn't know how it's going to go. If I even mention, well, this is a little scary, they both turn right away and they tell me, Mom, like infinite possibility. You <laughs> call in the possibility. And I think, oh, <laughs> they inspire me. They inspire me with their words and they inspire me with their path choices. Um, yeah. They've both kind of picked unconventional paths to follow in their personal lives. And I just think every day, like how amazing and blessed I am. And if they can do it and I taught them that, then surely I can do it too. So we're all growing together. Yes. I think it's funny. I think the kids raise us, we raise the kids. It goes back and forth and back and forth, and it's a beautiful process. When you were talking about them coming home from school in the city Mm -hmm. and what they went through, that really resonated for me with what all of us are going through as we awaken right now or step up to the next level of whatever our evolution is, step into our consciousness, conscious living, step into spirituality more from religion or whatever our path is, we all go through that experience of how do I fit into this world as this new person? Because often we're trying to fit the new person into a world that doesn't reflect that back to us. And it can be an interesting journey. So it's certainly not just your kids. I think it was great how they handled it. And um, what would you say to people now that talk to you about having trouble shifting with the awakening of the planet that's going on? That's very interesting. Um, For me, it's all about just remembering your path, your own specific path. And it's not at all selfish. Some people might think that's selfish, but you can get really caught up in the energetic dynamics of the whole world around you, right? And so what I told my kids and what I tell my clients is this, like, you know, you you talked about woo. So you don't have to put the crystal on your desk. You can hold the crystal in your pocket. You don't have to say your prayer out loud. You can say it in your mind. Mm -hmm. You always have the choice to center. And the idea, I think I, I have an audio about, I do, I have an audio like, what if you're worried about not fitting in? 
The idea of disconnect is really a limiting thought from your mind. And you have to understand if there's 100 people in the room, 90 other people are worried about are they going to fit in or not. And look for the connector energy of the room that you're in. So usually if you're in a space, everybody's sharing a common interest. Like my kids were at school. So they're sharing that interest of having to be at school. I don't know if they're sharing an interest, (laughs) but they're having to be there. Um, For adults, if you're walking into, let's say, a business conference, everybody really enjoys the theme of that conference or you wouldn't be there. If you're going to a new restaurant, like everybody thinks they might like the food or you wouldn't be there. There's always going to be a connector energy in the room. So you might practice different, you might think differently, but look for that connector energy and then tap into it, knowing everybody else in the room is wondering the same thing that you are pretty much. It's so funny because it's not just a school thing. It's not just a kid thing. It's it's an all of us thing. There's a kid inside all of us that's trying to figure out how to fit in, trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing with our life. It's like all those questions that you face when you're a teenager, you continue to face for the rest of your life. And the teenagers are looking at us thinking, boy, they've got it all figured out. And we're looking at the teenagers going, you know, it. <laughs> you're going to have the same questions in another 10 years or 20 years. They just seem to repeat, don't they? They do. And, and part of that is, again, when you're choosing to live a life of infinite possibility, and you've practiced enough, like if this is part of your daily practice, even just a few minutes every day to think of possibilities, you start to train your mind. Instead of walking into a room and looking for the disconnect, your mind automatically looks for the connection. And so it's going to see like four or five more points of connection than it would if you weren't practicing. Do you know what I mean? So my mind, when I walk in a room, I just see like a whole room full of possibility. And in order to act upon that possibility, I do center, you know, and and get my energy in order. And then, so I feel comfortable. And then it's an amazing time, right? And when when you talked about the labels of good and bad, my mind doesn't see good or bad. My mind just thinks, how can my heart open through this? Like, show me that. And that's what I want to try. And that's what I experiment with. That's an excellent question. I like that. Thank you for that. And so I kind of want to play devil's advocate here. I don't even like that expression, but that's what I'll use because we (laughs) all relate to it. (laughs) (laughs) So my business. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So my business name is Journey of Possibilities, and I've actually been accused by people Mm -hmm. of, you know, you can't live in possibility. At some point, you have to make a choice. You have to choose something. Mm Possibility is great, but it's not a great place to live in. What do you say to somebody like that? (laughs) Well, I don't have to say anything because I'm smiling. (laughs) You can have that belief if you want to, but I (laughs) am living miracles every single day. So, um, you know, this is what used to happen to me. People used to say I was living in a bubble, and I would feel really hurt. And and then I realized I was living in a bubble. <laughs> I'm okay <laughs> with it because I do. I create what I call that sacred container of space, and it goes with myself and my children now that they're old enough to choose it for themselves. And we live in it. And so, if you want to call it rose-colored glasses or whatever 
Pollyanna, I'm back and I'm okay with it right now because when you talk about a choice, yes, I can choose. And if it feels awesome, thank you more, please. And if it doesn't feel awesome, I can choose again. And so can you. And so if it's your choice, and I honor that, if you want to keep choosing things that hurt or are a struggle or bring tension into your life, then have at it. And I'm going to have my choices. <laughs> and I don't impose my choices on anyone, but one of us is like having the fun of synchronicity all day. So I don't know. <laughs> That's wonderful. We're talking with Joy Holland, facetsofjoy.com. And Joy, I want to wrap this up by asking you, what have you not had a chance to share with us today? If you can tell us one thing, if you can leave us with one thought that will help us in our lives, that's helped you in yours, that we haven't covered on yet, what else would you like to share with us? Um, You know, my answer to that is always, you can always choose love, right? There's fear in the world, there's love in the world, and regardless of external circumstances, you can always choose love. You can choose to be love. You can choose to center in love. You can celebrate love, connect with it, create with it. And it sounds woo with you and I talking, but when you bring that into your daily life, it can naturally, with ease and joy, open up even the stickiest of situations. I agree. And self-love has been an important one in my journey. And it seems to be one for us in this time to shift from egocentric, you know, egotism to what self-love really means, which is not about the ego at all. It's a very nurturing, loving place. Well, since you brought that, so you can always choose love inside of boundaries. Boundaries are your best friend, which are different from barriers, but choose love inside of boundaries. Great message to leave us with. Thank you so much for your time today. Facetsofjoy.com. Thank you, Joy, very much. Thank you. Do you have a moving story about your own journey and natural healing path you'd like to share? Drop us a note, info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Until next time, this is Cheryl Sitz reminding you to use your passions and make a bigger difference. Let's co-create holistic sustainability for ourselves and for our planet. Namaste. Namaste.